Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Uh, You can find that in your bulletin if you'd like to read along. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 13. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So it was a Sunday morning many years ago. I was still learning a few words. I was just a toddler. My brother was just a year older than me. And we were getting ready for church, as we did every single Sunday morning. This was back in the day where, for some reason, my parents, my mom especially, thought it was really cute if she dressed us up the same when we went to church. And so we were probably dressed in some sort of sailor outfits or things like that that made us look really cute for all the people in church. Mom had gotten up and gotten breakfast ready and was getting me dressed and had gotten my brother dressed and and we were all getting ready to go. And when she finally got me dressed, we came out into the den and my dad was sitting there reading the paper and she said, where's Alex? My dad said, well, I don't know. Alex is my brother. We walked back into the bathroom, or my mom did, and found Alex there. He had seen my father's hair that morning and decided he wanted to style his hair as well. And he found a little jar of Vaseline underneath the sink. He took that jar of Vaseline and put it in his hair very generously, a very generous portion of Vaseline. It not only got in his hair, but it got all over his hands, all over his nice sailor outfit, all over the bathroom and on the towels as well. My mom knew immediately we were not going to make it to church that morning. She looked at him with a little bit of anger, and she said, Alex, that was not the right thing to do. And that's when Alex said words that we repeat all the time in my family. Mom, I can't always do my right things. We're all like that sometimes. We all can't do our right things. From time to time, we do the wrong thing and we get in trouble. And that's what we're looking at over the next few weeks within moments of Scripture where we see trouble in Scripture, where the disciples get in trouble or the followers of God get in trouble, or maybe even from time to time Jesus gets in trouble. That's what we're looking at over the next few weeks of times where people get in trouble in Scripture so that we can learn maybe at times how we can avoid trouble that we need to avoid, or maybe at times where we need to get in trouble if we need to be faithful to God or we're called to be faithful to God. And this morning we're looking at a passage where children get in trouble. 
Jesus is teaching with his disciples, and they're surrounding him, and there are lots of people there, and he's actually having, he's, at least in Matthew and Mark, he's teaching a pretty adult topic, an adult conversation. If you look back in the scripture, in Matthew and Mark, he's teaching about divorce and talking to the people about what it means to get divorced. And while he's having this conversation, parents start to bring their children to Jesus, wanting Jesus to bless them, wanting maybe Jesus to heal them. Jesus was a famous teacher, after all, and they wanted Jesus to, to, to love on their children, just like you might imagine you would want any famous teacher or someone that you revered to respect your children as well. Well, the disciples, of course, got in their way and said, I it, you can't really tell if they're mad at the parents or mad at the children or mad at both of them, but they rebuke them all and say, get away from us. We've got work to do. We've got more business to attend to. Jesus is teaching here. Can't you just keep your children back a little bit? And we might wonder, why in the world would the disciples do this? Jesus, of course, as you know, turns the tables on the disciples, says, no, 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 let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, if you want to receive the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like these little children, to have that childlike faith. But we might wonder, why would anyone want to keep children from Jesus? After all, especially here at Faith Presbyterian Church on Preschool Sunday, why would anyone want to keep children from Jesus? We love children. We try our best to make them feel welcome and worship and welcome and safe here in our church grounds. We want children to grow closer to God and learn more about Jesus every single day. But I dare say, maybe some of you parents out there who have children from time to time, know how hard it can be to get your children ready to come to church and learn about Jesus. Let me give you a little example. At one of my previous churches, I was doing a baptism one Sunday. I didn't get to do that a lot because I was an associate pastor. Most of the time, that was the senior pastor who did the baptisms. But I was scheduled to do a baptism with a family that I knew, Jennifer and Andrew and their three children. Their youngest child was going to be baptized. I was excited about it. We had talked about it ahead of time that week. But then that Sunday morning, we had their names in the bulletin. Everything was ready to go, and they didn't show up. Of course, as you might imagine, I got concerned, and after church was over, I called their house, left a message, wondered what was going on, and later that afternoon, I got an email from Jennifer. I've tried to remember it and recreate it from what I remember. Here's what it said. Dear Brad, please forgive us for not making it to church today. Our whole family was looking forward to the baptism. We got up early and I got dressed ready to go. I dressed the baby in the baptism gown worn by my other two children. I went to the kitchen and made some special pancakes for the morning as we celebrated the day. And my older daughter got herself dressed in her favorite Sunday dress. Things were going smoothly until I heard Andrew and our middle son yelling in the other room. He wanted to wear his Spider-Man t-shirt to worship and was fighting my husband tooth and nail to keep it on. At one point, he got loose and was running through the house with nothing but his Spider-Man t-shirt on. He tripped and busted his head on the side of the couch. It took a while to stop the bleeding, but that was not the bad part. What was more concerning was the four-letter word that came out of his mouth. After we got the bleeding stopped, Andrew and I argued for several minutes about which one of us taught him that word while we were trying to get ready for church. Then finally, Andrew asked, where is our daughter? I knew she was eating pancakes in the kitchen. 
We walked in to discover that she had covered her pancakes in a very generous portion of maple syrup that was also on the floor, on her shoes, on her dress, and somehow in her hair. I went with her to get cleaned up and changed, and while we were still getting cleaned up, Andrew announced that the baby had a dirty diaper, and I will spare you the details, but the new baptismal gown was no longer an option. By the time we got everyone cleaned up, we had had enough. I know we needed Jesus this morning, but I don't think Jesus was ready for us. I hope we can reschedule. Children present challenges, don't they? Have any of you parents ever, does that sound familiar to any of you at all? Maybe once in a while. Children present challenges to us, and they were challenges back in the day, and even back in the day, they were not valued in the same way that we value children today. And so the disciples were trying to keep these rowdy children at bay. And that's when Jesus says, no, let the children come to me, and not only let the children come to me, but learn something from these children What in the world do you think Jesus wanted us to learn from children like these? Children who can be rambunctious, children who can be overwhelming, children who don't sit still in the pews when we invite them to worship, children of all kinds. What do you think Jesus wanted us to learn from that? Well, I have often said that children are my best teachers. I look at children and try to learn from children every single day, just to try to see the world through the eyes of a child. And so there are countless things that we can learn from them. But one of the things that I think we are called to learn from them more than anything else, and maybe what Jesus is trying to say in this passage, is that children are authentic. Dallas Willard, who is a, is a pastoral theologian and a, and a philosopher, says it this way. He says, those who have obtained considerable spiritual stature are frequently noted for their childlikeness. And what this really means is that they don't use their face and their body to hide their spiritual nature. Children are authentic. What you see is what you get. Sometimes they're beautiful, sometimes they're difficult, sometimes they're joyful, sometimes they're in a bad mood, but children are honest. They're authentically who they are. And it's as we grow up that we learn not to be who we were created to be. It's as we grow up, we learn that the best thing to do is imitate someone else. Try to make someone else happy with us. Try to make someone else proud. Try to look like other people. Try to talk like other people. Try to imitate people who are successful rather than to imitate the person that Jesus Christ is. We are taught by our parents and taught by adults around us to not be authentic to hide those parts of ourselves that we worry about, to not be the people that Jesus Christ created us to be. When Jesus Christ calls us to be childlike, to have faith like a child, what Jesus wants us to do is to be authentic, to be the people that we are for all of our good parts, for all of our bad parts, with all of our joys, with all of our wonders, with all of our doubts, with all of our fears. And that's difficult for us to do, because to be authentic means we have to be courageous. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to say, I may not be the person that you like. I may not be the person that you want me to be. I'm trying just simply to be the person that I am, the people that God has called me to be. And that may mean from time to time, 
we get in danger. That's what happens when we be authentic. We are vulnerable with the world around us. And so we teach ourselves to hide, to protect ourselves. That's what being adult, an adult is sometimes all about. But what we can learn from children is that authenticity, to authentically wonder about God and love God and be the people that God called us to be. One of my favorite stories from working in the hospital was a story I've told this church several times before. It was about a, a young patient named Angela. She had come into the hospital, had been in a really bad automobile accident, and was going to be okay, but she had some terrible scars on her face from the accident, had some of her hair was gone, and she was very self-conscious about what she looked like. She was an older child, and when she got into the hospital, she just said, I want to stay in my room. I don't want anybody else to see me the way that I am. But the child life expert at the, on the floor knew that she needed to get out of the room a little bit just to get some fresh air. And so they had a playroom on the floor. If you've ever been in a children's hospital, you know what I'm talking about. A playroom there where she could come in and play and draw and do some arts and crafts just to get out of her room for a few minutes. And so she went down and closed the playroom so that Angela could come in there by herself and feel safe where people wouldn't be staring at her and worrying about her and, and having those piercing eyes upon her. And so they closed the, the, the playroom door, and she went in there, and, and for a while, Angela felt pretty comfortable, pretty safe. Nobody else was in there. But as happens sometimes in a children's hospital, there were two little girls, younger children, who didn't notice the closed sign on the door. And so they went right into the playroom and started playing themselves. Well, Angela saw them and got a little bit nervous, but just kind of kept her head down and kept playing, hoping that those children wouldn't notice her. But finally, one of the girls did, looked, and then looked away, and looked at her again, and looked away, and now Angela started feeling very self-conscious. Oh, they see me. They see my scars. They see my bald parts of my head. This is not going to go well. Even the child life expert was thinking, oh, no, this is not going to go well. And finally, the little toddler came over to her, looked her right in the face, and the nurse and the child life person just buckled down for the worst, expecting her to say the worst. But that's when this little girl said to Angela, I have something very important I have to tell you. I think you are beautiful. You probably hear that from everyone, she said. Well, Angela thought, oh, this is ridiculous. I don't look beautiful. But she said, no, you're beautiful to me. I bet you hear that from all the people in the hospital. And she said, no, I don't even let people see me in the hospital. Well, this little toddler said, well, we got to change that. And so they pulled out a big piece of poster board and made a big card. And on it, it said, I think Angela is beautiful. And they wrote lines all over it for people to sign. And she and Angela walked all over the floor of the hospital and said, if you think Angela is beautiful, sign right here. Well, as you might imagine... Everyone signed. It sounds kind of crazy to think that this little four-year-old could teach us something. This little toddler in the hospital could teach us that it's okay to be vulnerable. That it's okay to let people see our scars. That it's okay to be authentic. We try very hard to hide all of those things for other people. But this little child taught Angela that she didn't have to hide. That she was beautiful just the way she is. That's what one of my other favorite philosophers, my other favorite theologian, Mr. Rogers, used to say. The greatest gift you can give the world 
is your own true self. That's the greatest gift you can give the world because it's the first gift that God gives to you. The greatest gift you can give the world is authenticity, and that's who God calls us to be every single day, to remind us who we are and whose we are, that first, before anything else we might achieve in our life, our greatest credential, our most important credential, is that we are children of God. And that's who we're called to be our first day all the way to our last day, to remember that we belong to God and God loves us just as we are, with all of our joys, with all of our worries, with all of our doubts, with all of our wonder, and with our childlike faith. Jesus says, have faith like a child, for it's to children like these that the kingdom of heaven belongs.